What is up, my banana bunch? Yeah, that's what I'm going to call you all. I think it's fun. Little anthropomorphic bananas, and now I'm recognizing that many of you probably had to Google what anthropomorphic means, so go ahead. I'll wait a second. Okay, and we're back. Episode two, baby. I'm hoping that you're loving what I'm into so far. I thought it would be fun every so often if we talk a little bit about uh, our personal lives. So I want to learn about you, and hopefully you can learn about me. I have been itching for live music in my life for the last year and a half, and it's all catching up to me right now. So I've had like a wild week. One of my favorite bands called Coheed and Cambria was just in town this week. I got to see Primus do a tribute to the band Rush. And then Sunday, I spent the day at a jazz festival in Indiana, in Indianapolis to be specific, uh, seeing one of my favorite musicians on the planet, Thundercat. And if you're unfamiliar with Thundercat, oh, get familiar very quick. A little funk, a little jazz, a little fusion all over, multi-talented musician. You've heard him play on probably a hundred records, unless you hate music. He's just one of those interesting, weird characters. And you know what? I'm going to put it out there. I hope to have him on the show. If If you're really unfamiliar and don't want to just dive into his albums, look him up on YouTube for, like, type in something like Thundercat Tiny Desk, uh, because he did one of the NPR videos. That was really, really, really cool. But I think the reason I like to talk about this stuff, you know, I'm a huge fan of music, movies, video games, you name it. But I'm hoping that we recognize that, you know, food I've talked about earlier is the great uniter, but music is sort of, you know, and these other art forms, these are our universal languages that we can speak in. So really, I don't think it's too crazy to talk about on here. So tell me about some of the stuff you've done. Shoot me an email. Send me a text. I'm not giving you my cell phone number, so just guess what my number is. So what's on the menu at the jungle today? Well, I've got one of our maestros of mayhem joining me later in the show to give you all more sneak peeks behind the scenes of the way our crazy store works. See, the show works out twofold. I get to teach you all while I also learn how it works here. If the 20-foot-tall talking Campbell soup can wasn't enough of an indicator, we don't really do things traditionally around here, and that's even down to our departments. I'm literally just running my own business under the Jungle Gyms International umbrella. It's wild. I could say whatever I want right now, but I don't know what I want to say. So let's just move on to say that, you know what? If you are one of my coworkers who's yet to be featured on the show, come visit me or shoot me an email. Uh, that goes for you too, Banana Bunch. If you're excited, send me an email, podcast at junglegyms.com. Tell me your stories. Tell me why you're coming into the store. If you're traveling from somewhere fun, or it doesn't even have to be from somewhere fun, it could just not be locally. Tell me your stories. This is a bit of a uh, human interest type show too. I want to tell everybody's stories, and that's what I'm hoping to uncover here. You know, we've always done a lot of events and parties here, and COVID slowed us down a little bit, but not all the way. So now I'm going to kick off a new segment of What's up in the jungle? That's right, it's time for a new segment. So today, I'm gonna be joined by one of our beer experts to teach us about some fall brews, as well as our Oktoberfest-themed party, Okay to Beer. I say okay to beer too. 
Now, if you are unfamiliar with Oktoberfest, Oktoberfest, I'll say it three or four more times, is a cool Volksfest, which pretty much just means beer festival slash fair, uh, celebrated since 1810 in Germany. And I just so happen to be broadcasting to you live from a very German heavy portion of the country. You see, the big Oktoberfest in Munich was canceled this year, thus meaning that the Oktoberfest here in Cincinnati, Ohio, has upgraded from the second largest festival in the world to the largest Oktoberfest festival in the world. But maybe, you know what? Maybe you're not quite ready for the crowds and the way that urban infrastructure smells when soaked in day-old beer that's been in direct sunlight the entire time. So we here at Jungle Gyms decided to throw our own Oktoberfest event in our Oscar Event Center, conveniently located here on campus. Yeah, I said campus. It is literally a campus. We have a second event center in another building uh, not attached to the main building. And it is really cool. I went there the other night, every Thursday, they open it up for bourbon and cigar nights. If you're not interested in being in the center of the cigar smell, guess what? You don't have to be. There's actually two separate areas, so you can drink bourbon inside, and then we've got a whole separate area that's really well ventilated and open to the outside as well if you're gonna smoke cigars. I thought that was pretty cool too. Yeah, a bourbon carousel, but have you ever seen one of those? I hadn't until last week. And I know a bunch of you perked your heads up at that. So why don't you come out on September 25th and come join me. We've got beer, we've got food, we've got way more. And you know what? I'll talk more about that later when we talk to the beer crew here in a little bit. Meanwhile, while we've got Oktoberfest happening here in our Fairfield store, we're doing a whole other event at our Eastgate location, the Union Township Fireworks. If you're not from the area, the Union Township fireworks are insane and it's kind of a big deal. So it's one of those great places to watch the fireworks, load up the whole family, bring your friends, your neighbors, maybe a coworker or two. I'm not judging or asking any questions, but we're doing like a whole block party over there too. There's gonna be stuff for kids, food trucks, drinks, all kinds of stuff. Fireworks start at night. They're doing something from 12 to two called touch the truck. And I don't know what that is, but I guess I'm in for that too. I've always wanted to touch a truck. In the meantime, let's take a quick second to appreciate and give a quick shout out to a German snack featured in our discovery section of the store. So every month in the store, we feature a different country and we kind of curate a greatest hits, if you will, of products from said country up near the cash registers. So this month, it's Germany. Now, mind you, this is not the entirety of the German section by any stretch of the imagination. This is just a collection of a few products from our much larger international section. We call it marketing sweaty. Back to the snack though, I've got a lot of family all over the world, so I hit up my German cousin Gregory, and I was like, hey Gregory, look at this video, and I showed him the section of the store, mostly so I could push back at the stupid American trope, and he pauses the video, giving me an incredibly blurry screenshot, but he points out the snack, he's like, Mark, you gotta try it, the Lorenz Curly Peanut Puff. Now. I think his description is pretty apt. However, I will not be doing an impression of his accent here. However, and I quote, it's like Cheetos, but covered in awesome. 
And you know what, Gregory, you're right. They rule. They are. They're just like peanut butter Cheetos. It's a dream I didn't know I had. So if that sounds remotely good to you, it tastes even better than you can imagine. And you know what? Maybe if you're all real nice, which you have been so far, maybe I'll bring uh, Gregory on the show to give us a little information direct from Germany itself. I forgot which tense I was using. I was like, am I talking about him or the country? It's the country. So if you didn't already think I had probably one of the coolest jobs in existence, um, you're late to the party because I'm definitely thinking that. But I'd say that one of the best parts of my job is that I'm effectively an explorer within this massive monument to food and culture. Every day I'll just stroll around and try to find something new or interesting. And then it turns into a segment for the show, which in turn turns into five-star reviews from all of you beautiful people out there. That's a hint, by the way. Uh, Please go review the show right now, especially if you're having fun. Uh, And if you're not having fun, um, maybe just send me an email about it, okay? Be cool, man. Anyway, these little safaris teach me all kinds of stuff, and that's how I locked into those curly peanut puffs, and that's also how I created one of my international snack food segments that I'm writing currently. But most importantly right now, that's also how I learned about the Chinese Mid-Autumn Festival and the magical taste of mooncakes. So you know what that means. And Mark, it's time for the taste Now it's time for the taste test. That's right. Welcome back to the taste test. If you didn't know, I also post a portion of this segment directly to our YouTube page and social media. If you actually want to see me eating all of these delicious treats, I would definitely recommend it. Okay. So as I said before, I'm considering myself a bit of an explorer and I'm walking through the store and I'm walking through our international section, and I am gonna walk by this display near our Asian food, and being the type of person that likes to read every sign, I see our display on mooncakes, which leads me to this episode of the Taste Test. Now, I know that this may be referred to colloquially as the Chinese Mid-Autumn Festival or the Moon Festival. However, it is also celebrated in other Asian cultures. In many Asian communities besides China, the Mid-Autumn Festival is widely celebrated, and you get a lot of interesting activities with a little bit of local flavor in there. Now, for me, the fun part of this is that there's a legend behind this, and uh, I'm going to ask that you get yourself something nice to drink and pull up a little carpet square, and let's talk about the legend of the Mid-Autumn Festival. In the distant past, there was a beautiful woman named Chong'e. Her husband, Ho Yi, was a gifted archer. As legend would have it, there were ten suns in the sky, forcing the people on earth to live under the incredible heat. Ho Yi grabbed his bow and arrow, and he was prepared to save the people of earth, shooting down nine of the ten suns in the sky. Ho Yi became respected as a hero and was gifted an elixir of immortality as a reward for saving the people from the excessive heat of multiple suns. The catch, however, was that there was only enough elixir for one person, and both Chong'e and Ho Yi did not want to leave each other behind. Unfortunately, one day, one of Ho Yi's students tried to steal the elixir when he wasn't home. 
In order to prevent thieves from gaining immortality, Chong'e selflessly took the elixir herself. She then flew to the moon and became the moon goddess, leaving Ho Yi behind. Now, left alone on Earth, Ho Yi missed his wife so much that he made offerings to the moon, even going so far as to try to find the shape of Chong'e on the moon. To remember Chong'e and her sacrifice, Chinese people worship the moon by eating mooncakes. It's a fun little legend, right? I like that. And, you know, it give you, like, the serious voice. Hmm? Now, in modern times, the festival has come to focus on the harvest as well as the gathering of family, much in the same way that we here in the States celebrate Thanksgiving, for example. I think that's a good facsimile there. These celebrations can range from things like eating food with family, worshiping the moon, traveling, various desserts, and even releasing flying lanterns to pray for their happiness and the happiness of their families. And now that we know why this holiday is celebrated, let's go ahead and taste one of the most popular celebratory treats, the mooncake. It's not just a taste test, it's also an unboxing. And if you're one of those people who just jumped into the YouTube video and didn't listen to the setup on the podcast, I highly recommend you subscribe to the podcast and listen to the setup. But the short version is, these are traditional Chinese mooncakes, part of the mid-autumn festival. It's usually during harvest time, uh, typically between the months of September and October, this year falling on September 21st. Okay, so before I go too far on this one, we've got, we'll be trying today, this is a very traditional cake, a little cake filled with white lotus paste, excuse me, filled with white lotus seed paste and egg yolk. I'm pretty excited about this. So let's, uh, you know, this is why you all come to Jungle Gyms. You like the unboxing. So we got multiple cakes in here. Give you an idea of what it looks like. Let's go ahead and get it out of packaging. Slide that out. All right. Get it out of the packaging. Ooh, and an extra snack. I always love eating these. Please don't eat those. Oh my gosh, they're not edible. All right. Let's take a look at that. Okay, so there's not a whole lot you need to know in regards to cutting this. There's just, you know, as always, be safe with your knife skills. Don't do anything silly or stupid. I'm going to just cut it in half uh, so you guys can see what we're working with here. Ooh, that's fun. Check that out. You see it there. Show it over here, camera two. So you can see it's definitely got this sort of, uh, it look, I mean, at first glance, it looks sort of like, if you've ever seen like a zuki bean or red bean paste, kind of getting vibes of that. Obviously, there's the egg yolk in the middle. Now, they typically don't recommend you eat a whole one of these, but you know what? I'm willing to put myself in harm's way for all of you. Give me that caloric glory, right? I'm going to, I will quarter it though. So let's see what we're looking at here. Okay, here we go. Got a little egg yolk in there, too. Hmm. Wow. They're both good separately, the, in, the fillings, but even better together. So the outside's got kind of a, just a, a light, but slightly sweet. Um, how would I put that even? Just sort of cakey, but again, not too sweet. Uh, as I always refer to it, it's like non-American sweet levels. Uh, and then the lotus paste 
I'm going to try that again so I can more effectively describe it. It's it's really light. It's got a slightly floral taste. It's really good. And it also is sort of lightly sweet. I'm getting, and, and maybe this isn't the best way to put it, but if any of you out there have ever tried like fairly traditional versions of like bubble teas, it's kind of hitting those flavor notes. But what was really interesting to me, and I'm pretty sure it's a duck egg uh, yolk in the center here. The yolk is dramatically different in flavor. It's way more savory. It had kind of like, it's almost like a bit of a salt bomb. Uh, not too strong of an egg flavor, but together, you know, separately was very salty with a hint of the sweet on the outside. But when you eat them together, it's like the best way to describe it. It's almost like eating an entire meal once. I get a little sweet. I get that kind of bread again with another hint of a sweetness. And then this just savory punch of the egg. That is delicious. I, I totally see why these have become so popular even outside of those celebrating the festival. This is what you really shined up for, just to watch me eat stuff that you haven't had, right? That's what the internet's all about. Well, where are you today? Have you tried one of these? Maybe you should come in and try something with me. Or maybe you just have an idea of something that I should be trying on the show. If you're like, hey, Mark, maybe this is something you should have. Well, send me an email at podcast at junglegyms.com, and you can totally send me suggestions for things you want to see me try and talk about on air. The taste test is one of my favorite segments, but you know what I think would be a lot of fun is if those of you out there listening to the show thought, hey, Mark, you should totally eat this, or you should totally try this, or I've always been curious about this, or how many gallons of milk can Mark drink before he gets sick? Please let me know. Send me an email, podcast at junglegyms.com. You're going to get so tired of hearing my email address, you're going to dream about sending me emails if you aren't already. With me in the WJJI studio right now is not only a delicious pint of uh, Sam Adams Oktoberfest, which for some reason I'm holding like I'm on camera right now, uh, but as well is Ferdinand Sneed, one of our beer buyers and one of our beer and wine managers. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I know I led into this beforehand with talking about uh, our OK to Beer party, the Oktoberfest themed party. I think that's the proper verbiage I should yes. be using. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds perfect to me. Yeah, uh, so that's coming up, obviously, this Saturday, September 25th. I gave some details at the top of the show, but I figured I'd make sure I got the rest of it now. So let's just hit it with that. 3 to 8 p.m.? 3 to 8 p.m. Uh, where, 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 where can we go see this event? This where can we go partake? This is going to be in the newly revamped Oscar Station. Uh, it is going to be 3 to 8 events. It is $5 to get in, and that is also includes your first beer. It's not just an entry fee to get into the party. It is to... Get you your, get you going with your first beer. We're gonna have a couple of food trucks out there. We're gonna do some um, have some games out there. Do a Stein hoisting. Um, depending on the weather, we may or may not be having a couple of Stein races as well. Oh, that'd be fun. So it's and they will not be filled with beer. So you'll just be <laughs> spilling water, but they will be filled if you're racing. That's right. So. <laughs> I want to try the hoist. I've always kind of wanted to do that. It's it's a good event. It's it's difficult, but uh, we're trying to line up some really go- cool prizes for the people that participate in win 
I've just been so. spending the last week training, holding jugs of milk out and <laughs> stretched. Arms. That's the best way to do it. So, or use your dumbbells and <laughs> right, hold them out there. Out. I'm like, I'm not in shape enough for any of these competitions. It turns out. <laughs> Ferdinand, how long have you been with the company? Uh, just about seven years. Oh, cool. I say this every time I interview someone. I'm like, it's crazy that everyone's been here for years and years of their lives. It's either you're here for like three weeks or you're here for the rest of your life. So right. I'm past a month now. So, so you're, you you're going to be right there with me. You're going to be a lifer as well. Yeah, I love it. Uh, what's, what's your favorite thing about being in the beer and wine department? Like, tell, like walk me through your day. Uh, well, the, most mornings start off with checking in and stocking the trucks that come in making sure everything that we ordered is here, uh, priced correctly and placed on the shelf so where the customers can come in and grab them. Um, I've always been a fan of beer and I worked at the Moorline Lager House and their brewery for a little while. And that's, an, came up here um, when I moved to Hamilton and started shopping here, like this is the greatest beer store ever. <laughs> and was able to get pints while I shopped and walked around. It's like, man, I love this. And then ran into, talked to Ed a few times here, but ran into him at the logger house. And basically he recruited me from there to come work. He had a party of friends and uh, they were going to a baseball game and I kept everybody in different beers that I never had before. He was like, you ever get sick of this? Like, come see me. And not too long after that, I started here and the rest is history. So no kidding. That's so cool. One of the things I've been most curious about is the, you know, that you're a beer buyer. And so in turn, like how, how does that even work? Like, how do you source or, you, you know, I, in my head, I'm imagining it's like, all right, you're just like touring the country, going to breweries. You're like, I like this one. Let's bring it in. And I'm sure that's not realistic no, at all. Not at all. Yeah. So, so it's very fantastic. Yeah, way it, it would be it. great if I could direct buy from everybody, but we have to go through the only people we can direct buy from are people that produce the alcohol in the state of Ohio. Okay. Otherwise, it has to go through a distributor if it's being brought in from out of state. Like, I can't buy from a brewery in Indiana. They can't drive it over via the state of Ohio laws. And where some of the laws have loosened up over the last seven years, some of them are still a little ridiculous. Like, I should be able to sell you a half barrel. Yeah. You know, but limits, we're limited to only selling a six barrel because that's the largest vessel a retailer can sell. Really? I just little that, quirky things like that. Yeah, it's what just are, like, why? I mean, till about four years ago, you couldn't have a beer over 12% in the state of Ohio. No kidding. So we couldn't get Utopias. We couldn't get all these fantastic beers, and then that finally went away. So that's a good thing because there's a lot of beers out there that are 13, 14, 15%. Yeah. And Utopias comes in around 18 to 21. I mean, we couldn't get one dogfish 120 minute. There was a lot of stuff we couldn't get that is now available to us. Oh, that's amazing. I'd so, love to hear that too. What are some of the other weird restrictions you run into? Um, it's mostly just with the retail sales, like why we can't sell until in this county, which isn't the same at the Eastgate location, but we can't sell wine until 10 a.m. We can't serve pints till 10 a.m. as well on Sundays, but the other days of the week, it's perfectly fine. Liquor sales can't go till 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. on Sundays. It's just, it's old. A lot of it has to do with pre-prohibition stuff and the taxing of beer and wine, which has still isn't been loosened up, but how producers before, if they made the beer in Ohio, they had to sell it to the place that, even though it's their own company, sell it to them to have the taxation. That's, I'm just sitting here thinking, like, you know, you never think about it when you're not in the midst of it, of all the rules and regulations. Mm -hmm. I'm sitting here going, like, 
if for us, it's stuff like, all oh, right, I have to get clearance on every bit of music or even sound effects that I play in the show. And if it's like, sometimes they're free, but I have to credit them a specific way and then get a copy of the license. So it's everything has these terrible <laughs> restrictions <laughs> that were probably invented by somebody that's not alive anymore. A hundred percent. We're not as bad as Indiana. Like Indiana, you can't buy cold beer in a grocery store. You can't really? buy more than four cases of any alcohol in a, in any setting, even at a liquor store. You have to go to a liquor store to buy cold beer. Huh. That I'm is ridiculous. To, yeah, that is. And now that I'm thinking about it, I went to school at IU briefly, and it was a dry campus, which was a hilarious statement to think that any college would be. Right. Uh, but I remember all the restrictions were very weird about that, but I was too young at the time to actually mm. go in the store. So Them loosening some of the things have hurt us here at, at Fairfield. Like the Sunday sales, actually, we took a hit from it because people used to drive in from Indiana to buy their alcohol from us on Sundays. Yeah. And Yingling being sold in Indiana now also hurt us as well. So. Mm. Yeah, Yingling was like super popular all of a sudden, it seemed like. It just felt like I'd never heard of it, and then one day it was everywhere. We were, in 2014, 15, and 16, we were the uh, biggest retailer for Yingling because you couldn't get in Kentucky or Indiana, and everybody knew that we had 30-plus cases on hand, so they come up and buy 10 cases at a time, and it's like, stop going to other places. (laughs) Leave it for us. That's awesome. Well, so today we're sipping on and keeping in the theme of the uh, fall festivities here. We're (laughs) sipping on the Oktoberfest beer. So something I'm hoping to learn, you know, I like beer, but I would argue I don't have an advanced palate by any means. But I was hoping, like, what kind of things should I be looking for and tasting in maybe beers in general, but specifically to this one here? Um, Well, in Oktoberfest beer, there'll be um, the Marzen style. There is a fest style also, which will be lighter. But what we're drinking on is Sam Adams Oktoberfest, which is a Marzen style. So it's going to be nutty with caramel notes, um, a a nice malt backbone, almost zero hops present um, on the palate. There are hops because it is a beer, but in no way, shape, or form is it meant to be hoppy at all. So it's just a smooth, easy drinker that'll go with a hot dog, a brat, a burger. I mean, it'll go with almost any food, and there's nothing um, negative to say about this beer at all. It's one of America's favorite for a reason because it's just so smooth, easy drinking. Like people that drink Budweiser could drink this. People who only drink Miller Lite could drink this as well. There's nothing off-putting about this beer. It's just a well-rounded, well-made Cincinnati classic. Yes, I said it, Cincinnati Classic. Most of their beers are produced here in Cincinnati. <laughs> I wonder, do people know that? Uh, not as much as you think that they would. Um, it's a lot of their stuff. Like they, they used to make Utopias here and then ship it, bottle it, and sell it elsewhere where they couldn't sell it in Ohio. Um, I've been in their barrel room before, and the fooders for the Utopias is just ginormous. It's, it's very well done. Okay, you keep mentioning Utopia, so pardon my ignorance here, but this is the whole point of the show, right? I'm the Mm -hmm. idiot learning, uh, and that way the audience doesn't feel dumb. Sam Adams makes a beer, a very high alcohol beer that um, only comes out on odd years. Like, you won't get a 20 version or an 18, but it came out in 17, 19. They're going to have it out in 21. Uh And it's a limited production beer. I believe it's going to be $240. Uh, this year, and it comes in a decanter bottle, which the decanter twists off, and then it has a, a actual beer cap underneath. But it's not; it's a non-carbonated beer. It's something that you drink more like a cognac. Oh. Um, you're not going to drink. You're not going to pour pints with your buddies and crush them. So, 
It's going to be, um, and we don't know when we're getting ours, but we are going to get ours. And anybody who's interested in that, please sign up for our brew crew because we will be sending out an email about the Utopias lottery that we'll be doing, and you'll enter through our brew crew as well. So tell me a little bit about the brew crew because this is actually the first time I'm hearing about that too. Um, well, we brew crew used to be pre-pandemic a lot bigger of a thing where we were writing about um, the beer guy at Eastgate who's no longer at Eastgate. But me and Eric would write about um, beers that we were liking that were coming out for the month that we wanted to point people in the direction of a little uh, beer history, a beer knowledge um, portion. And then that's when we would release all of our updates about Beer Fest, Barrel Age Bash, the OK to Beer Party. That would have been where people would have found those informations. And um, we are going to get back to doing more um, monthly or post-monthly or every other month, sorry, every other month newsletters when we get um, our situation a little bit better. Like everybody else, we're always looking for help. So. Well, and if I can be of any assistance to you, please like come broadcast. We, I'd be happy to have you on, do segments like that too. Wonderful. Yeah. Now the audience knows, so they got to hold me accountable for right. it. Right. And me as well. <laughs> but so. no, I mean, I'm interested too, because like, again, you know, I think I said this off air, but I've been a long time, you know, beer drinker. Yeah. <laughs> Huge fan of it. Uh, and, I, and I really am trying to kind of expand what I'm into. And I'm always trying to learn what's the next big thing or what should I be moving into? What What is that? What do you think is coming on the frontier? What's kind of happening um, right now? Well, we're about to leave the fall beer season and get into the winter warmers and the spiced Christmas beer season, yes, please. which is a fantastic time of beer. And we will talk about that. We're, we're going to put it out there now. We're going to do a podcast about that as well. I'm really looking so. forward to that. I've got a bunch of like holiday content coming up that I'm really excited about. And the, I think we could call our segment the most wonderful time of the beer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so. I, I, you know, I, I haven't really had too many Christmas ales and things of that end. So... Again, I'm using this job really just for me to learn what I like in life. No, that's a perfect way to do it. You have a you have people from all over the world that work in the departments here that can help you out with that. You can find out about different kinds of foods and plenty of different kinds of alcohol. Yeah, it's insane. And, so. uh, and, and the fact that, look, I, most people don't get to drink on the clock. So right. I just really, I'm going to bring that up one more time for everybody listening. Like, sorry, sorry, folks. <laughs> Well, and that, um, I think this is a great kickoff to this segment here, for, and I am really looking forward to having you come back on the show. Uh, let's drop another plug for OK to Beer Festival. Um, OK to Beer Festival, Saturday, September 25th. I got to give them that sweet radio announcer voice. 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. It is a 21 and up event, if that wasn't clear, since it's got beer in the name. $5 to enter, which includes your first beer. We're buying the first round. There you go. And we will have a couple of food trucks out there. Um, Craft Beer Brothers is going to be out there, and they have a couple of Oktoberfest specials. Oh. Um, there is going to be a brat with beer cheese. There's going to be brats that don't have to have the beer cheese, but there's going to be an Oktoberfest burger because their specialty is burgers where they're going to cut a brat in half and put it on a patty with uh, bacon jam and beer cheese. And oh it's I can't wait to get one myself. Yeah, so when they were telling like, me about it, I'm like, oh, and then Nick's Barbecue is going to be there as well. Ooh. And um, they are going to have an Oktoberfest special. I do not know the details on that one yet. But um, and the Craft Beer Brothers, their uh, burger, they won the fretboard uh, burger smackdown in 2019. So 
it's they've been around for a little bit and they make excellent food and they're going to be serving up all of our hungry people on Saturday, oh September gosh. 25th. I am so looking forward to this. I've got a great Saturday plan right now. I'm picking, <laughs> I'm getting, so for the back wall back there, I'm hanging my guitars. So I'm picking those up from the guy that's been working on them in the shop and I'm heading over here. And now I know I'm trying that Oktoberfest burger. Right. <laughs> oh, that's going to be amazing. Well, thanks so much for your time today. I really appreciate no it. It's really nice to get to meet you. Nice uh, to meet you as well. Let me know any to come back anytime. You're always welcome. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You're welcome for it. All right. And hope to see day. everybody on Saturday. You know, a segment I really wanted to do here was called Jungle Rumors. And thankfully, my upcoming guest today helped me clear one of those rumors up during our little sit down. But before we get into the interview, what are your favorite rumors about Jungle Gyms? I am incredibly curious for answers and responses from people outside of our immediate area. So, of course, this is another chance for you to hit me up at podcast at junglegyms.com and tell me what your favorite rumors are. And I'm a newcomer. I'm going to go ahead and investigate them on the show. And you know what? If I get a fun answer or a fun question, maybe I'll even shout you out. How's that sound? One of the coolest things about working in the grocery industry is never having to pack your lunch. So much so that I actually believe that now I'm probably purposely forgetting to pack it. But one of the other coolest things about working for an independent international market like Jungle Gyms for me is all of the interesting people here, both our customers and our employees. You see, your nationally owned chains are not going to give you peeks behind the scenes like I will here. They would literally never prove that. Right now, someone from Kroger is creeping on my LinkedIn page and listening to this segment of the show like, oh my gosh, can you even imagine that? They'd be like, oh, what are they going to say? What is this wild man going to do to besmirch our positive res- reputation in the grocery market? Like, seriously, go listen to one of our competitors' podcasts for 30 seconds. I'm not saying that they're bad, but I am saying that you can instantly tell the difference. It's a stuffy, clean shirt reading corporate-approved lines of dialogue in a studio that probably looks like a closet inside a courtyard Marriott. There's no stuffy shirt types here. I'm not even wearing a shirt. And it's because of this, I invited one of the first people I met in my employment journey here at Jungle Gyms to come chat with me. So I'd like you to meet one of our behind-the-scenes wizards here, Phil Adams. Phil is our director of development here at Jungle Gyms, meaning he's heavily involved in projects like building a podcast studio in the middle of a grocery store around a screaming shirtless crazy person like myself, amongst a billion other cool things that we have our hands in. Now, Phil joined the company in 1986, meaning he's been here in the jungle for 35 years and has worked in pretty much every position in the store. And going back to the comment about jungle rumors, jungle rumors, you have to whisper it so it matters. Phil is going to help uh, dispel a rumor about a helicopter on site here. So don't let me steal any more of Phil's thunder. Please welcome to the show, Phil Adams. All right, Phil. So. I've been reading your bio all morning before this, and you've been here pretty much my entire life in the store. My first question is like, how? And (laughs) I have no idea. It just evolved. It never, uh, I showed up one day to clean uh, dishes for deli, bakery, meat, and seafood and take out their trash 10 hours a week and never left. That's amazing. I love that everyone's story is sort of close to, not exactly the same as that, right? But it's always like, oh, I came in to do this one thing and now right. I'm doing whatever. Yeah. So you are, as I mentioned in our little pre-roll here, you're the director of development for the company. So can you 
not only make that make sense for the audience, but also for me. What, ex what exactly does that entail for you? Uh, director of development here today means uh, design, construction, what do we need to do? What do we need to change? What makes sense? Uh, we have a lot of flex space in both stores, and people will come up to us with ideas and say, we want to do this, and then we analyze it, look at it. Does it make sense? Do we have the right person to drive this project? Stuff like that. And then uh, do a lot of design uh, to take and try to make it uh, somewhat close to what we're going to want to build. I love that. Well, and I think it, obviously the way this store is and just the overall look and design, I mean, it's, it's wild all the time. So <laughs> right. I imagine you've got a lot of freedom too, right? Uh, yes, we do. Um, but, I, you know, the colors and all that are not me. Uh, that's other people. I'm sure. color challenged. I'm not colorblind. I'm color challenged. <laughs> um, I don't know what matches. I don't even know if anything in this building matches. But uh, <laughs> the you know the design and the flow. Oh, okay. Uh, we try to design it and make it flow uh, for a purpose, for a reason. Even though it may not be obvious to the uh, person walking through the store, we have a purpose and a reason why we do it. Oh, that's really interesting. And that's one of those things that, you know, I don't come from a grocery or, you know, like a market background. So Me it's either. interesting to think. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I know you mentioned, obviously, you started here in the deli, but like, what is the, like, what got you from running the deli and that stuff to heat, you know what I mean, to where you are now? Uh, so I was in the Army at the same time, um, field artillery, which was blowing up stuff, and we were, you know, uh, we specialized in nuclear weapons as well, tactical nukes, if you will. So that was very similar to a grocery store, right? <laughs> yeah, oh, I, I totally see the correlation. <laughs> but the disciplines that I uh, acquired while being in the Army helped, you know, me, helped me get through some of this stuff over here in the store because there's a lot of gray matter. It's an amoeba is what I call it. As our store is one big amoeba. Everything about us continues to change. So trying to keep up with it and make sense out of, okay, which way are we going? I started out, you know, do, doing trash and dishes, like I said, and then it evolved over to deli, food service, created a cheese shop, created an olive bar. And then one day I just happened to be walking my jungle when he said, you know, uh, he wanted to build a cooking school. And I blurted out, I could do that, you know, kind of thing. And uh, <laughs> so I got involved in that side of it. And after we were done with the cooking school, um, decided that I was in the wrong area and maybe the design side of it was a better fit. And so over seven years transitioned from deli, cheese, olive kitchen and all that over to uh, more of the design. And over the years, I had worked in almost every department in the store. So getting into the design part was easier for me than an architect because an architect doesn't understand where an employee stands when they're doing, you know, working on a deli slicer, right? Or, and where the scale should be afterwards. So from there, you know, I got more and more involved. I learned AutoCAD 3D so that people could see more visually and then started working with 3D models because we realized that people couldn't walk in, look at a blueprint and say, oh, that's exactly what I want. <laughs> <laughs> so quickly make 3D models out of the blueprints and people can walk in and say, oh, they get a better feel and a better uh, understanding of what we're trying to do from the manager's perspective. Because we design around the manager or the person driving the project. Once we feel comfortable with that manager and we have a good trust and a good feel, then we really go forward with them. We 
give them, you know, what they want or maybe more than they want um, and try to drive it forward. One of the big projects uh, we just completed was where we're sitting in the podcast. <laughs> this octagon building used to be our greenhouse is now the front entrance. It's the millennial toy area podcast going into cookware, pet. We moved a lot of the departments from the back of the store to the front and everyone's like, what the heck are you guys doing? And I explained to them, we needed room for international foods. And they're like, oh, yeah, you really do. Everything's crammed in there. So we're adding on to the back of the building as well as giving them the space that those departments uh, vacated. As a long time, you know, I've just been upgraded to employee, right? <laughs> right. But as a long, long time customer here, I love the new flow. You know, especially, I guess I had a little privilege in kind of being aware of it beforehand, but I think it's great. And, it, you know, that's my main way through the store now. And it takes me through areas that previously I probably wouldn't have spent much time in. Right. But now I'm like, oh, yeah, we have like a whole pet care oh thing here. Oh, my gosh, I needed that spoon. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I have spent way more time here looking at very fancy uh, <laughs> knives than I would like to admit. Exactly. I want to back up a little bit. I have a few questions about a few steps in your process. So you <laughs> mentioned at one point uh, creating both the cheese shop and the olive. Of, was it also the olive shop olive bar olive yeah. bar excuse me i knew i was gonna mess up the second <laughs> word what you know, i sort of know because i think i kind of experienced this myself here with the podcast project but what exactly does starting a department like that entail or you know especially for those two well the olive bar goes back to like 1990 well no 80 1989 we were in new york city trying to get ideas for the international concept we were we we were not even in that world yet. We were, you know, we had other competitors moving into the area and we we're trying to figure out who we were and what direction we were going to go. So we went to Chicago, New York, and then later went to Toronto trying to understand where we could go. And I was running the deli at that time and trying to figure out, okay, we, you know, went on to all these little markets and saw, you know, the same thing that we had. Olives were in the deli case which was fine, but we were not selling a whole lot of them. And the, one of the big issues was the person that wanted the olives typically didn't speak English and they didn't want to talk across the service case. They were too proud to stumble through it. And we, you know, we were struggling as well. And we had, we were traveling around, we were driving and we had just left a little Russian market and we're same thing, olives in the service case. And, you know, we, we were talking about it in the car and we said, you know, we just got rid of the salad bar. Why don't we turn it into an olive bar? And we all laughed and, you know, kept driving. And when we returned from the trip, we were like, okay, what do we put in that salad bar spot? Nobody had anything. And we were like, well, let's try this olive bar thing. So after one year, it did nothing. It did $45 a week. And then we were like, okay, this is not going anywhere. What are we going to do with the olive bar? And nobody had anything, so we let it go. A couple of weeks later, it was doing two forty, two fifty a week, and it just kept climbing. And now it's its own department. So that's amazing. Um, cheese shop, same way. We had a phenomenal wine department, but we had no cheeses to go with it. So uh, there was a guy named Tim and myself started working on how to create a cheese shop, and we found some distributors, and we couldn't figure out a whole lot. So the internet didn't really exist at that time. So while we were talking to different distributors, we would say, what is this? They would explain it. We'd order two of them. And if they sold, <laughs> we'd order them again. If they didn't, we waited a little bit and we tried something else. So, or if a customer would ask, we'd order two of them, put them in the case and figure out how to sell them kind of thing. 
What I find so interesting so far in my time here, you know, because at the time of this recording, I've only been in the building. This is like the start of my third week. <laughs> right. But I find it so interesting that there is this like organic path all the time that like if the, everyone seems willing to try something, you know, small scale, but then kind of push it a little further. Like, oh, that worked. OK, well, what if we do this? Right. And it's interesting to see a store evolve even in the short time I've been here. Right. And it's it's so interesting to me because. I can't imagine that happening in like the corporate competition, what? you know, <laughs> what's that? What? Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, a lot of what we do now, we don't tend to follow the grocery industry. In fact, I can't tell you when the last time I was in a store that was, you know, besides our own. And I tend to look at more of the uh, hardware stores for ideas. Interesting. And if you look at some of the bigger hardware stores or even really the cool small ones, yep. they have that path that we have. Oh, that's really interesting. Okay, so what is something else maybe that you've – is there another type of store or another – or like a specific thing that you've like been inspired by in, in a store we wouldn't think of being, you know, used in this field? I don't know really how I'm asking that, but, you know, compared – we're such an interesting place. It is it, – we're – incomparable in a lot of ways right. you know jungle always looked at our store as an amusement park every year we had to add a new ride well <laughs> uh, which was true or a golf course you know yet uh when we were putting in the event center we said you know we got this really cool golf course down below but we need an event center kind of thing that's how that evolved but the <laughs> amusement park thing uh resonated because uh, we would take the girls down to disney every other year and you know i looked at disney from a whole different perspective than the typical person visiting Disney. I was looking at like, how the heck did they make those really cool tire marks in the concrete? Right. <laughs> <laughs> how can we use that in the store kind of thing? You know, yeah. the details, the different details. So, um, you know, really no other store that, you know. Sure. I spend a lot of time at Lowe's. I feel like I should clock in on there so often, but... <laughs> That really didn't give me a whole lot of inspiration. No, I love the the Disney thing makes a lot of sense because I feel like I've used it a bunch, of, even in my promo for this show, where I'm like, it's kind of Walt Disney meets Willy Wonka is kind of the right. vibe I would like to say, you know? Yeah. There's everything here. It's and my uh, oldest daughter did her college co-op at Disney at Magic Kingdom. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, that was awesome. Oh, I can't even imagine that, but that was so <laughs> <I know>. cool. <laughs> Talk her, about her age, I was sitting in the mud in the cold, you know, in the army, and she's at Disney. <laughs> It's pretty much the exact opposite experience, <laughs> yes. actually. I'm like, what's wrong with this? <laughs> it's never too late, Phil. You can always oh, visit I Disney know. now. <laughs> I'm ready to go back next year. Yeah, it sounds fun. I'm really looking forward to that Star Wars hotel they're opening oh, down yeah. there. I'm a big old dork, so <laughs> you'll find that out about me. Is there a project that you've worked on that you're either you find the most interesting or that you're the most proud of in your time here? Well, I guess that would probably be Eastgate because it was huge, um, but a lot of people worked on it as well. Um, I don't know that there's one that really stands out. Well, actually, uh, talk me through Eastgate for a second, because to make this clear to the audience, this was just a, it was like a regular grocery store, but it was a Biggs, right? It was the original Biggs uh, that opened in 1984 and closed uh 2010, I happened to be watching the news. I was flipping through the channels, and there was somebody from Channel 12, a woman talking about Big's closing, but not to worry, the Jungle Gyms was going to be opening up there soon. I'm like, 
what the heck? I don't even know where this store is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I knew where it was generally. I had never been there. Sure. Um, so the next weekend, my daughter, my youngest daughter, had a soccer tournament out there, dog days, I believe. And I said, Julie, let's go over and try to find this place. You know, this woman talked about it. I should at least know what it is, right? So we yeah. get there, and we, there's no signs on the building, and you couldn't see the haze where it said big. So I'm like, well, maybe this is it, but it doesn't look right. So we walk in, closed. I'm like, everything's closed, but the mall was open. I'm like, this must be it. And we go around <laughs> the corner, and there was a nail salon with a line going out the door. I'm like, good grief, what the heck is going on here? Yeah. Um, so that was really the first experience of <laughs> the old bigs. It, from like a, you know, were you involved in like all aspects of, yeah, because, you know, I keep thinking them as when I'm reading this with you and your bio about doing the Eastgate store, my first thought is like, how does this work? Do you just like walk into this place? You're like, okay, that's where the uh, <laughs> spice of the hot sauce bomber is going to be placed. <laughs> I mean, how much of that, or is that just like in, does that come naturally through some sort of evolution of it? Being created. Uh, yeah, there's no natural evolution here. <laughs> uh, gosh. So that whole process was, okay, A, do we want to buy it? B, um, do we know what the heck we're doing? No. Okay, that didn't stop us. C, you know, what is going to be the design? Who are going the tenants going to be? There were a few tenants left behind that, uh, you know, we, we had their leases if we were going to purchase it. So the first step was trying to find drawings, and nobody had drawings for the place. So had to work up, uh, measure the building, find all the columns, get everything in the drawing, and then uh, start putting together some sort of uh, plan as to how this store is going to fit inside this box, if you will. Right. And, you know, working with Jungle and a bunch of other people trying to figure out, okay, which, which layout do we like? The, the layout that we ended up with obviously wasn't the first one we started with, uh, but it worked out really well. And it's a right-handed shop, very similar to Fairfield. So everything tends to be on your right side. We did learn a lot from Fairfield. We color-coded the ceilings at Eastgate, um, and we made departments bigger than they should be so that we have more flex space. Um, the add. color coding of the ceiling. You just, that I've like just got stuck on that. So there's, <laughs> what have I not noticed that is subliminal in the, in the store? Is there like, is it like painted on the ceiling? It's painted. The whole ceiling, the <laughs> international is like a salmon color. Um, <laughs> I feel like the audience can hear my mouth dropping. <laughs> on this. And we even have it on the map that, yeah, you look up, you know, we color coded the ceilings for you on purpose. Oh, that's genius. Um, so it's challenging trying to explain to people where things are, especially when, you know, 60% of the customer base doesn't speak English. Sure. Um, thus, why you don't see a whole lot of signage in there that, you know, the aisles don't explain what's in there. We have pictures. Yeah. And, and we've yeah. started translating that back to Fairfield. We've started going with the uh, pictures in the aisles as well. Oh, I have noticed some of those that I've been walking through, which I think is great. Yeah, and, you know, the poor customer, you look at Eastgate, yeah. oh, aisle one. How many aisle ones do we have? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got that far in life to fix that. Are you a foodie at all? I wasn't when I started here. You know, at home I didn't, you know, it was just whatever, whatever, you know, and then school. And then uh, when I went into the Army, the food was pretty amazing when we were, you know, 
on base. The food in the field was horrendous, <laughs> and the MREs were awful. Uh. Um, so when I started here, we were not a foodie destination at all. We were a small little wood building. Sure. It still sits in here that had produce delis, you know, very tiny, small departments, nothing beyond any typical store, if you will. And so as we evolved, I think I evolved with it as well. You know, oh my gosh, these people are eating this. I wonder what it tastes like. And I go home, try to cook it. Can't even get close. Right. <laughs> what the heck are they eating? Or, wow, this is really good. Or, sure. You know, my poor daughters, you know, they had to try everything. It, you know, whatever I brought home, they had to try. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but yeah, I, I think I tend to lean towards uh, trying everything. I, I, I don't have a favorite food, ice cream, but. Uh, An excellent choice, if yeah, I say yeah. so. But there's no, nothing that, uh, really bothers me a whole lot so i like that mindset a lot too and i think that's great in a place like this i am sort of taking the same approach with some of my taste tests i want to do because my goal is not just to inform the audience but i'm also hoping that this makes me an expert on all those things expert too. yeah yeah you know i can at least provide little short blurbs of like oh yeah that i've tried it here's what i would describe it or liken it and to. they're like i don't care i just want to know where it is right exactly <laughs> i'm like all right well the ceiling's color-coded i now know that look up and look for purple or right <laughs> Oh, in the store, in your time here, has there been an event or what's like the most interesting or weird thing you've experienced in your time? Oh. Or if you have a couple that maybe that you're allowed to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, gosh, the only one that really jumps out was Jungle's 50th birthday party. We were doing an expansion on the store and it was actually where we're not where we're, yeah, or where we're sitting. And it was his 50th birthday party. A lot of people showed up and sure. maintenance off to the side had made a uh, fake cake as, as you will, and rolled it in there and everyone sang happy birthday and out pops Beulah from the middle of the cake <laughs> to wish him happy birthday. <laughs> she was in our accounting department <laughs> <laughs> and with her came I guess this happened about 10, 15 years ago. We were cleaning out one of the rooms at home, and I, sa I said to my wife, where the heck did we get this painting? And she's like, oh, it was from uh, Bessie Beulah and Lisa at work. And I'm like, oh. And I said, for what? She's like, for our wedding present. I'm like, oh. I said, did you ever look at this? And she's like, no. I said, look. She's like, yeah, I obviously looked at it. But I said, no, no, look at it. It's three girls under an apple tree. They gave that to us before we had children. Whoa. Oh, that <laughs> is wild. Right. How'd they know? I have no idea. <laughs> it freaks me out. One of one of Jungle's <laughs> many was, superpowers, yeah, right? Yeah, it was cool. That is really cool. <laughs> wild. Yeah. So I, I was, I'm sitting there with my jaw dropped again. I was like, that's two in one interview, Phil. <laughs> Everyone else that we have on the show is going to really have to try hard to get to yeah, that level I, now. Yeah. Other weird, there's a whole list. Oh, know. I mean, uh, lay them on me. Tell us some fun stories. I think people really are so interested in like the behind the scenes right, here right. kind of stuff like that. Well, everyone thinks we have a master plan, which is, you know, far from the truth. It, it just evolves every day. And, uh, one of the store managers stopped me today and said, you know, how are we, how are we going 
with the back of the store project. And I said, you're connected to the packet. Are you following? And he's like, yeah, I'm connected. I read it. I don't have a clue what's going on. <laughs> I'm like, hey, join the crowd. <laughs> We're just riding the wave. You know, <laughs> we've narrowed it down to where we want to aim for first. And then uh, that makes the most sense. And now we'll reshuffle the numbers on how we're going to organize this and then go forward. And he's like, oh, okay. I said, now, is that how it's going to be next week? Probably not. And we never seem to really finish anything. You know, I've been here 35 years and we've been under construction 35 years. And, you know, I was obviously not involved in all 35 years of it, but a big chunk of it. So, yeah, things... People are, all the departments are always asking for more. We want to be able to do this, this, and this, or we need more space for this, this, and this. And a lot of them are legit. Sure. Well, I think, I think, A, that's part of the magic, right? That right. it's kind of constantly evolving. It's just like mass as it expands. I love it. I, I, especially being in a creative position where it's really refreshing for me having been in kind of more corporate spaces prior to this, where it's just like, Hey, you have an idea? Go ahead and like try that. And if it's weird or doesn't work, well, maybe correct after the fact. But like, right. go test it out and go feel it out and see what happens. And I think it's cool that that mentality is clearly extended to the entire brand. Right. And you know, the the, the manager or the person has to have been with us for some time to, you know, capture our attention and trust basically uh, before we're going to go forward. We don't want to build something and then, you know, three months down the road, ah, I decided, you know, I'm going to go uh, land planes, you know, as a, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be here anymore, but thanks for building this for us. And we're like, okay, now what do we do with this space kind of thing? Right. Well, now that you said land planes on the interview, this is my uh, three women under the apple tree moment in three months. I'm leaving to land planes. Now, so how did he know? <laughs> Holy smoke. He can read mine. <laughs> Uh, so like you know looking out the window here they just got a new lightsaber in and everyone's you know looking at it testing it whoa <laughs> travis is having fun did he know he was gonna be running toys two years ago no <laughs> but he had i'm assuming he has to have an interest he, he's on my list of people i'd like to talk to oh yeah mostly because i want to play with lightsabers exactly too. i've seen i think i've mentioned it in every chunk of the show so far but i've literally this is not the first lightsaber fight i've <laughs> witnessed since being here in two in a day weeks right um you know th this expansion that we're sitting in you know a lot of people walk in they're like what the heck how you know when did you guys put this up? Well, this building's been here for almost 15 years. We just rerouted you. <laughs> um, and then they walk into the space where Cookware and Pet are, and they're like, whoa, this is huge. And I'm like, actually, all we did was fill in the gap between the building and the old Shasta building. We took down the Shasta building and built over it. But basically, it's the same footprint. We got rid of the breezeway. So it really didn't get much bigger. I think, you know, maybe 4,000 square feet, but now we're utilizing it year round. And, you know, prior to this, people would, you know, drive hours to get here. They heard about us. They walk in our front door and they're like, wow, what the heck is this? You know, real confused because it, it was a confusing entrance. You walk in, there's the old building. There's an elephant, pink elephant <laughs> hanging from the ceiling above sushi. And right. you're like, what the heck? A giant soup can. Yeah. And now they walk in, they're like, wow. Then they're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> Again, 
what would you say the size of this whole area is? 5,383 square feet. I knew you'd know exactly. <laughs> you know what's weird is I stood out front, and as the people were coming in the new doors, and we have a neon sign that says entrance, and we have a sign on the ground that says entrance with an arrow. They're still fighting with me. Oh, no, I want to go into Jungle Gyms. I'm, it says Jungle Gyms entrance arrow, and, and they would fight with me. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that's not the We moved it 22 feet over. Right. I'm like, well, let me know if you find the other doors that no longer exist. <laughs> Unless you can go through those walls. You know, thinking about this, so you said it's 5,388. So 83. 83, excuse me. But to put that in perspective for the audience, the toy store and the podcast booth were like, this area is half the size of an average Trader Joe's store, which I think they're like 12 to 20,000, something like that. Probably. I don't really. I, 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 I've been trying to look up just to, I, I've been trying to figure out good audio ways of explaining. I'm right. like, here's how massive this is that like this one department is the size That's of. That's our entrance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. This is the hall. The last time I was in here, it was at a cheese fest in 2018 oh, yeah. and I was eating cheese out here. And then I'm like, oh, I will be eating cheese in this booth as well. well Some things never change. To help with that, you know, a lot of customers always, I see it on the internet all the time. They're always fighting about which store is larger, right? <laughs> they're proud about you know the, they are ambassadors they're you know that's my store they bring all their friends family everyone that's in from town you know when they you know especially if it's a weekend and it's raining we're packed and there's like 15 people per cart you know a normal grocery store might see one person Maybe a person and a half. I don't know how that happens, but <laughs> that's There's what like they tell me. Up. Yeah, they, yeah. they stop like, by the deli slicer. Oh, okay, how does that happen? <laughs> so, you know, the answer is both. So retail square foot where the customer uh, can walk and shop and what have you, Eastgate is 144,000 square feet. Fairfield is only 127,000 square feet. They're going to catch up when that expansion on the back goes up here soon. Sure. Um, but the total square footage of the two stores, Fairfield is 267 versus 242 at Eastgate. Um, Eastgate, we had to make basically them all bigger because the big store was actually too small. So, you know, they're big stores and they take a lot of work for the customer to figure out and understand the flow. There's a store within a store, the basic American grocery stores in the middle and everything's on the side. Yeah. Uh, intentional at both stores the uh, you know people in the industry are like oh my gosh how many grocery carts do you have well uh, Fairfield we have 1200 Eastgate 700 um, what would be a comparative number I have no idea somebody told me <laughs> at, at our last meeting that they had 50 I'm like 50 <laughs> I, I don't know how yeah I, I really I, don't like, how does that work at all that's incredible yeah, yeah. But again, I don't go into a whole lot of stores, uh, grocery stores, to understand and appreciate. And how that, going back to the grocery carts, one of the uh, uh, store managers, he's like, why do you have so many carts? I'm like, well, in your store, the customer's probably only in there 15 to 20 minutes, and they're probably there three or four times a week. Our store, they're in there for an hour and a half. So the carts are out there, and then they got to you know go out in the lot, and then we got to retrieve them. But yeah, most of them are in the store for a bit of time it's great i it, it's funny i had a friend meet me up after the end of my first week and i was like i come in and they're like oh i'll check it out and i'm like prepare for like two hours they're like why? Pack a lunch <laughs> i really you know and i'm like why <laughs> yeah. and i'm just sitting here going are, are you being 
I, I work here. You should definitely trust me, A. But but B, like, it's an experience, and it really was. And I think we were here for, like, two and a half, actually. Right. And we just walked through. I joked. We just came through and touched everything. You know, <laughs> One of my daughters got married up in the Oscar, and uh, we were up in Columbus meeting the family, you know, their side of the family. And it was uh, one of the guys walked up to me. He's like, you know, they're getting married in a grocery store. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> Where at? And he started describing. He's like, never been there, but they say it's really bizarre. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> the other thing that people are always blown away is the sheer size of the property. Uh, Fairfield is almost almost 90 acres, and uh, Eastgate is just under 50 acres. Whoa. Yeah. And they had a lot of parking spaces because they're in there for so long. Yeah, and the parking's always easy, too, which is really refreshing. Really? We'll fix that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're a destination. You know, we we don't fight our competitors so much as we do our customers' time. Weekends, you know, it's fall. Kids soccer, kids sports, uh, school activities, you know, we're fighting their time. So we tend to be a little bit softer in the fall. Um and as soon as those activities, you, I can almost tell you the soccer tournament that that ends on, and we spike back up. It's, really? It's pretty impressive. Yeah, so it took us a while to figure out that we were fighting people's time, not the competition. Uh, I'm sure there's competition out there. You know, the people look at the ads and, you know, hey, this is where I'm going to shop this week kind of thing. But a lot of it is people's time because it, it if you drive an hour and a half to get here, spend two hours in the building, hour and a half home, it's a long day. Yeah, that's yeah, but worth it. I mean, oh it's, it's, my gosh! You know, yeah. Yeah. I just think about how most of my life this has always been a thing. It's like, what do you want to do this weekend? You guys want to go to Jungle Gyms? Oh, let's yeah. ride the monorail. I'm gonna buy so many sauces. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's like the monorail. Yeah, one day I was on uh, one of the TVs and we were doing a live broadcast, and I had never worked with this reporter before, and she's still with them, and. Uh, so she preps me a little bit, and then uh, she asks a question. So why did you do a monorail? And I got real straight-faced, and I was like, well, I thought every grocery store had a monorail. And then I paused, and then I just busted out laughing, and <laughs> I get home, and my daughter's like, Father, you're supposed to be serious when you're on the news. You're embarrassing me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good joke. I'm not, I'm not taking that. And then she comes back. My friend saw you on TV. They asked if you killed someone. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I cannot reveal my secrets at all, no matter what. Oh, that's good. You're like, yes, I did, with the monorail. Yeah, no yeah ran them over. Beep, yeah. beep. We're going to start that rumor, too. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm waiting for the jungle copter to be a thing well, here. I did a test. Jungle and I did a test flight to Eastgate uh, oh, no during construction. And we're, you know, because at that time the economy sucked and, Someone said that helicopters were cheap and the pilot's always the expensive part. So I was like, I'll take the uh, test. You know, I'll go through the school and learn how to fly. But when we did the test flight, it didn't save any time. Really? By the time you do the warm-up, the checklist, you know, the flight, the land, and all that, it was about the same. That's funny. Yeah, I guess that makes sense, And then too. weather is always an issue, so. I've never been in a helicopter. I've been, I feel like, in a lot of odd vehicles in my day, but not never helicopter. Yeah, I've been in a lot of vehicles. Yeah. I've been in a lot of helicopters. But sorry, I wanted to sorry. ask one question about the monorail that I meant to earlier, so I'll just jump in here. Uh -huh. Why? 
Well, I, I would say why I, why I think I understand, which is probably it's wild, it's cool, it's unique. Yeah, it was cheap. It was yeah. <laughs> How often would you say it gets used? That was, what was really not often question. enough. The pandemic obviously shut it down. Um, it's used for a lot of events. Now that we built the Oscar station, the bourbon bar, where the maintenance facility used to be, a lot of people know it as the snake building because it has this three-dimensional snake wrapped around it. That used to be the maintenance facility. So we converted that to the bourbon bar, indoor-outdoor experience, and then we fenced in the area. So if we do festivals out there, whoa, that thing is going to rock. I like um, The that. monorail bridge is out there to go into the new maintenance facility. So there's a whole lot of things going out, going on out there. We don't know what they're going to be. Um, it was only open a couple months, and it's starting to slowly open. So if they look at the website, they can see, I think Thursday nights are starting to open the bourbon bar and getting oh, right. warmed up. I would say if the pandemic calms down, you'll see it next summer, full tilt. And then the monorail will go from the Oscar station up to the event center for weddings, business meetings, pre-functions, what have you, or festivals. Uh, a lot of people are using the monorail for their wedding. They have their pre-function down in the station mm -hmm. and then climb on the monorail and go up to the uh, wedding or you know, reception. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. How many other places have that? Disney. I, right, I was just going to say, <laughs> the only place I can think of is Disney. Yeah. That's, uh, the monorail is so cool. Yeah, every grocery store has one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh well phil thank you just so like much. a podcast every yeah, grocery right. store oh, has oh, yeah yeah exactly i'm <laughs> i'm in wegman's right now yeah, in a yeah. different oh studio, that's right? an awesome company <laughs> <laughs> well phil all getting aside for real thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it thanks I, for I having would me. love to have you back if you ever have a project you want to come talk about oh yeah yeah we'll, we'll be connected i'll tap yeah. on the window what are you doing <laughs> yeah but i'm eventually gonna put like a little uh place your face here because there's like two spots that are the most touched on oh, the outside so yeah that's a great idea i think so i could take their pictures when they come up uh -huh. and i'll put it on social so <laughs> anyway we'll have a great rest of the day thanks so much thank you sir phil thank you so much for your time for coming out today i really appreciate seeing you roll around on your segue and zoom right up to the studio and then zoom away too like it never even happened well that's the second episode folks that's our launch salvo if you're listening to the show right now starting october 6th 2021 we will have weekly episodes dropping for you on Wednesdays. But of course, if I haven't mentioned this a bunch yet, please send me an email at podcast at junglegyms.com if you have some thoughts. Or more importantly, we built a form for you at junglegyms.com slash WJJI where you can read more about the show and you can submit all of your ideas to me. On that, thank you all so much for listening to the show. Thank you for subscribing to the show. Please subscribe to the show. Tell your friends about the show. And of course, I'll see you out there in the aisles. The Jungle Gyms podcast is recorded in the WJJI studio inside Jungle Gyms International Market in Fairfield, Ohio. The Jungle Gyms podcast is produced and hosted by Mark Borison.